Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your host, Gary, to tell you about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Today, Goldie Ann, my wife and co-host, joins us. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. Uh, you sound a little tired. No, I just got laughing that you said I, I joined you. I, I'm always here. I don't go anywhere. Yeah, but it's so exciting for me when you're here. Which is always. And that's why I'm always excited. Okay. See? See how that works? Okay. In our announcements, I do want to state and apologize that this episode was meant to be a recording of our live performance at Paracon 2023 to be held in Arcadia, Florida. However... The event was such a success that the background noise from the vendor area made the sound quality of our live show unusable. So this was a great thing for the Opera House and Feeling Paranormal who sponsored it, but a learning experience for us. Instead of not producing a show this week, we did speak with some incredible people about the historic Heard Opera House and were part of an actual ghost investigation at that location last night, which is why we have this delay. Using that, this episode will be late, but cover a site with information we learned from first-hand experiences. I think it'll make for an even more fascinating show, but I'll let you be the judge of that. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. With the Opera House in mind, Goldian, I know you've already heard this joke, as I gave it during our live performance, but the shocking reaction it got from the crowd, I wanted to retell it for our podcast audience. So by shocking reaction, do you mean the crickets that were heard in the room? I will neither confirm nor deny that remark. Okay. But what I will say is, do you know that pirates would have just loved the historic herd Opera House? Why is that, Gary? Ooh, that sounded so rehearsed. Pirates would have loved the Opera House because of the high seas. Mm -hmm. And more crickets? More crickets. Wow. All right, well, I had to try. And I'm going to pretend that the audience that listens to our podcast... Also, today's story does involve suicides and accidental deaths within a location that is open to the public. These events may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers that tell about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. We don't intend to purposely scare you. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. And with that, Today's stories are a mixture of various results from multiple paranormal investigations and eyewitness accounts and are not based on any one source. I've also added a mixture of my own storytelling to kind of fill in the blanks with what I believe may have happened. Please take everything with a grain of salt. And with that, we open on the peaceful town of Arcadia, Florida, which is a great place to live. Nature abounds in this part of the state with numerous options for outdoor recreation, like fishing in the Gulf of Mexico, hiking, camping, or biking along the numerous pathways. On top of that, 
You can find several cultural attractions like art galleries, museums, and local festivals, all with friendly locals who make the city feel like home. The downtown region, however, has not been without its own setbacks. In 1905, a blaze spread throughout the area, destroying almost every building in its path and leaving the town teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Chrissy, one of the owners of the historic Heard Opera House, had another theory about that. And here is her story. When I was uh, when I first moved here, I heard uh, the story everybody wants to tell. It was, uh, it was um, like the traditional cow knocked over a lantern kind of a thing that sparked the fire on Thanksgiving Day. But uh, turns out, uh, after doing a little bit of digging and talking to generational locals, um, it was in fact the women's club <laughs> because this was known for being a, a night of place for debauchery and a lot of bars and brothels and cowboys and, and all that kind of thing. And um, that was the final straw when the men didn't come home for dinner on Thanksgiving night. The women's club was actually the one that torched the problem. So it was arson, not yeah. accident or anything else. Yes, but again, it's Just not story. documented. So As so much of the time <laughs> period and the location is. Yeah. Now, J.J. Hurd was passionate about restoring the devastated downtown region to its former glory. He donated generously to the cause and even built a bank and offices on the ground floor of his new building so that it could finance the theater space above it. The Opera House had seen it all, and over the years, diverse tenants have come and gone. A theater, an antique shop, a dentist, a tax collector, and others. The Opera House has also been a site of tragedy multiple times in the past hundred years, making it an ideal place for restless spirits to settle. The building was said to be haunted by more than just one ghost. In fact, there are many who have visited have heard disembodied laughter and felt the chill in the air. So join us today as we open the doors within the mists of Arcadia, Florida, and meet the spirits of the historic Heard Opera House. Chapter 1. J.J. Heard's Office J.J. Heard had arrived in Arcadia to oversee the damage from the 1905 fire. His eyes were bright and his smile was quick as he spoke of the damage. His voice was full of confidence and charm. Gentlemen, I have an idea, he began and he launched into his latest business venture involving citrus farms, banking, and investments into the town. His passion and drive to rebuild Arcadia captivated the other businessmen around him. The remains of the lot that once stood where the Opera House now stands had been zoned for residential use. However, laws were changed with a few well-placed leverages and hefty donations. The area was converted into a commercial zone where the ground floor of the grand building was designed to include a bank and a department store. In contrast, the second floor held an auditorium and multiple offices. The Opera House became the hot spot of the time for all the socialites in town. J.J. Hurd the local businessman with ties to City Hall, 
became the reigning king of high society. He commanded everyone's attention, whether in the financial offices downstairs or when he was attending the shows within the auditorium upstairs. In 1911, he mysteriously and suddenly moved to Jacksonville, Florida, leaving behind whispers of mystery and intrigue. There, he founded the Heard National Bank, but it would go bankrupt seven years later. Heard was arrested along with four other businessmen for fraud. Yet, miraculously, these men managed to come up with the money to pay back every depositor and the charges that would have sent them to jail were dropped. However, his golden days were over and he had lost the popularity and the power he once enjoyed. He had been a star in Arcadia, receiving recognition and acclaim from the loyal Opera House audience every night. But now he had faded and he missed those days of adoration and the prestige that came with it. Maybe because of this longing for that power, paranormal investigators now visit and hesitate outside of his old office. There is a deep voice that booms out from nowhere, commanding and in charge. Investigators have reported this phenomenon before, but only now they believe that J.J. Hurd has returned to Arcadia to reclaim what was once his. I think it's cool. I mean, I've, I've witnessed a lot of things at the Opera House. Chapter 2. A Lover's Suicide Now this one you may be more experienced with, Goldian. As rumors of mysterious events surrounding J.J. Hurd's move to Jacksonville had locals speculating about a connection between him and at least one other particular spectral occupant of the Heard Opera House. There is said to be a spirit that has lingered within its walls with only pieces of her story being told from paranormal encounters, leaving her and her tragedy shrouded in mystery. There are tales of a secret love affair between this womanly ghost and J.J. Heard himself. There are whispers behind closed doors that she would often arrive late at night during the early 1900s. Cloaked in shadows when the air was heavy and the heady scent of citrus flowers. This woman would slip in through the back door of J.J. Hurd's opera house and they would steal away into the shadows and whisper sweet nothings to each other. Their affair was said to be so passionate that it seemed like the stars shone brighter every time they met. She could not hide her burning love as she found his embrace. The mistress had been patient, but her patience was wearing thin. Her demands grew more and more insistent until she met him one fateful evening. She stepped closer with an ultimatum. It was her or his wife. And then, in a low voice, to make it even more of a challenging ultimatum, she claimed to be bearing his child. I didn't know this. While Hurd's eyes narrowed and his jaw tensed as he listened to her scandalous allegations, 
Despite the shock of such an accusation, he refused to be cowed by her ultimatum. After several tense moments, he finally decided with that same shrewd and arrogant attitude that made him so powerful in town, he chose his wife over the mistress. Now the workers trudged into the auditorium the next day, bleary-eyed and yawning for the start of an early shift. As they ambled towards the stage to begin their preparations, a collective gasp filled the room when someone noticed a body suspended from the rafters high in the corner of the ceiling, gently swinging back and forth. The opera house buzzed with rumors that the mistress had managed to sneak into the opera house as she had done so many nights before when she was meeting with JJ. With a determined stride, she scaled the small staircase leading to the stage, her skirts rustling in the darkness. She crossed and reached the other side of the stage and paused momentarily as if considering how best to make him regret his decision to spurn her. She carefully made her way up the ladder from the dark floor of the theater, each rung feeling like a lifetime. She finally reached the top and pulled herself through to the dimly lift rafters. With a practiced gaze, she inspected the riggings, the lights, and the cords that controlled the stage curtains to ensure that everything was ready. Out of despair, she grabbed a rope from a nearby utility shelf and twisted it into a tight noose. Her hands trembled as she fastened the rope around her neck. She gave the cord one last tug and stepped off the walkway allowing her body to drop and then hang limply in midair. The mistress hung there for an eternity, struggling to breathe, until her grip on this world suddenly slackened and she died. The hushed whispers about the scandal circulated through the small town like a thick fog. Unfortunately, it then evaporated and no one spoke of the poor woman's plight again. Official records of her death do not exist, or have they also vanished. JJ was a powerful man and had the power to make this problem go away. But her presence is still very much alive, even if her body is not. Teams of paranormal investigators have worked diligently over the years to piece together what remained of her story using various methods and the latest technology, from the traditional spirit box to scientific recording devices. After several intense investigations, the Southwest Florida Paranormal Investigations determined her name, Sarah. Though still angry at being discarded, Sarah's despondent air has made her appear both resentful and wretched. Her shadow seems to be mournful as her voice rings out of her plight. Even more, her spirit has attempted to dispel one of her lies. According to the Opera House owner, Chrissy, So last time we had a professional team come in, 
um, there was a, a woman who had, was just very intuitive and, and many of the things she was seeing um, in her mind's eye were adding up and correlating to things that she had not been told previously. And so um, I've begun to kind of like trust her really as a, as a resource of, of the unclear stories. Um, and last time she was here, she was explaining that um, a lot of the, the dark energy that people are feeling backstage is in fact Sarah. And she's trying to clear up the rumor that she was pregnant when she did this and she was not. Do you think that maybe she was claiming to be pregnant to get JJ to that his wife? Yes, um, that, that gives me, that gives me like sense of, yes. I think that was like something that she was like one of those reach out to a desperate attempt kind of a thing um, and that didn't work. And then she, then she hung herself. Um, but because that rumor is kind of carried over, she's kind of embarrassed by it and that's some of that heaviness when, when people go back there. It's, it's her, like, you know, just down. Wow. Okay, so I was wondering why I'd never heard of that. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome tale right there. I haven't really investigated Sarah. I know when we were there the first time, well, I guess, was it the first time? I know it was your first time. That's what I'm getting at. So yeah. your first time, we were up on the stage looking around, trying to look at all the different angles. And with the SLS camera, you actually pulled up a figure hanging from the rafters. For those who are not aware, an SLS camera picks up human forms and creates a stick figure in a video screen. A lot of times you have to be careful because objects may have the same features as a body or a person and it'll create a stick figure out of a ladder or a chair. In this case, we were looking up into the rafters and a SLS figure seemed to be appearing from the rafters. And I turned the light on to make sure that I wasn't picking up an object. No object matched the SLS stick figure. And you're not the only one who's picked that up. Uh, Southwest Paranormal has picked up on the S SLS also. So it seems that her spirit is still hanging from the rafters as she tries to reach out to people to share her story and make sure that everyone knows what had happened to her in her tragedy. Speaking of tragedies, Chapter 3, Agnes at the Window. The most heart-wrenching tragedies are often those that involve innocent children. And one such case was that of Agnes, a small girl whose life was cut short far too soon. It was back in the early 1900s and the streets teemed with bustling people as the smell of construction filled the air. Businesses of all sizes scrambled to occupy the newly built spaces of the Nherd Opera House setting up offices and storefronts tight against each other. What was this little girl doing alone on the second floor of the Opera House? The truth has been lost throughout the years, but there are many stories and theories which have arisen to fill the gaps. Based on much of what I've read or heard of other investigations, 
My version imagines Agnes's leather heels echoing as she strides towards the corner office. There's a faint, musty smell of old mahogany mixed with the freshly brewed coffee that fills her nose. With a gentle push, the young girl opens the door and steps inside. People are moving back and forth, setting up offices, and nobody notices her. But she looks at the late afternoon sun beaming through the tall windows, overlooking the bustling streets below. She reaches one of the corner windows of the office and leans against its wooden frame. Voices are faded into a soft hum as she watches the people moving down below like tiny chess pieces on an endless board. The window had been open to let the summer air rush into the second floor of the office rooms. And behind the window frame, Agnes could see down below on the streets. Even more exciting to such a young girl was seeing the new invention just beginning to make its presence known to the public, the automobile. The automobile was a sight to behold, a metal, glass, and rubber machine. Her eyes sparkled with excitement as she leaned farther out of the window, gripping the windowsill tightly with both of her little hands. Her heart raced and a broad smile spread across her as she leaned even farther out of the window, bravely determined to follow the car for as long as she could possibly see it. Unaware of the peril, she leaned out too far and lost her balance. The fall must have seemed to take an eternity as her body plummeted from the second floor window towards the unforgiving street below. Now, this is not the official story or any official story. In fact, Charlie, one of the family members of the owners of the historic Heard Opera House, has been a part of other investigations and there has been another version of Agnes that various investigators have pieced together. So I'll tell you the story because she was an orphan and the orphanage would come to the opera house and show the little girls all the shows. And there's actually, a, we have two bathrooms now, but there is a bathroom and a little closet room that we have. So she went with her bathroom buddy, her friend, and they decided after they used the restroom, they decided to walk around and they actually came into this room and the little girl leaned on the, the corner window and the as she leaned, the glass shattered and her neck got cut open. And then supposedly I thought that we figured out that her bathroom buddy didn't tell until they found her. And there's actually a cross to this day on the window, on that little window hanging outside. Wow. Yeah. See, I haven't heard that side of the story since Charlie told you. Um, that's kind of tragic. I mean, they're both tragic, but... I mean, which one's better? I mean, they're, they're horrible. They're horrible stories. All we know is there is poor little Agnes in that room. I've spoke to her many times. I've been there when Feeling Paranormal have spoke to her. Um, Mark has touched her. She's hugged Mark, who's another member of the Feeling Paranormal group. It's, it's a tragedy. It really is. It is a sad story, whichever one is true. And regardless, it does emphasize the tragedy of a child's death. And it is how I feel when I stand at that window and look out to the street below. 
She still gazes at the world from her familiar window view. Even more impressive is that she has been seen. A woman idled in her car at the stoplight on the corner of Polk and Oak when for some inexplicable reason her gaze shifted up to the second floor of the historic Heard Opera House. And it was at that moment time seemed to stand still as she examined the ornate facade, mesmerized by its former grandeur. She stopped suddenly and felt a chill run down her spine as she met eyes with a little girl standing at the corner window of the second floor looking out. The girl had hair that framed her cherubic face and was wearing a white gown. Even more mysterious, she was staring intently back at the woman driver. Their gaze connected and the woman remained idle in the middle of the intersection through three red lights, oblivious to the honks from the drivers behind her. Time seemed to stand still until a particularly loud blaring from a car horn finally snapped her out of her trance. Her eyes darted away from the little girls for only a moment, and when she glanced back, she realized that the ghostly girl in the dress had vanished from the window. When the woman told of her encounter, she made a discovery that has haunted her since then. The Heard Opera House had been vacant during this time. In fact, the hallways were empty and silent, the windows were shuttered, and the doors locked tight. The only thing that bothers me about this story, and I know it's in the newspapers and everything, but where's this red light? I was trying to figure that out as well because the intersection that supposedly this happened at is actually a stop sign. It's a four-way stop. Now, I don't know the full background history of that intersection. Maybe at one point there was a traffic light. I guess. So if there was a traffic light back in the day and it has since been removed, that is the only assumption that I can make. Right. Chapter 4, A Game of Tag. Agnes is not the only child roaming the halls of the Opera House. Perhaps other residents from that same orphanage had also enjoyed their happiest moments watching the entertainment within its walls and are now still there, hoping for more. Just as children are likely to do in life, these spiritual children do enjoy playing with the children of the living. Some of their encounters within the Opera House are shocking as they have made contact with other children who have visited and have stories of their encounters with the children within the Heard Opera House. And your name is? Charlie. Charlie. Go ahead. Okay, so we were doing a ghost investigation and we noticed on a SLS that there was a little child and I think that child is a boy. Um, So he came over here and tapped me so then he said we thought that he was playing tag so i tapped him back and he actually ran over and tapped me back again so every ghost ghost investigation will play tag together and that's just something that every single time that we have a ghost investigation that i'm here for we always play tag all right so give me your name mason all right um so i was i came up here to get some chairs um, when, when the building was still condemned, and um, I just had a weird vibe, first of all, just coming up, because I haven't been up for in three, four months. 
um, due to the hurricane, and I wasn't allowed here. So uh, I was just like embracing being up here. Uh, came up to get some chairs for a show because uh, we were a little short. And I walked to the back-ish hallway into what the last room before you hit the hallway. And I grabbed two chairs with both my arms and I walked out in between, uh, out of the door. And um, I had felt something like hit the back of my head, only about, I don't know, size of a little, little rock. And um, I turned around and I see actually a pebble uh, rolling onto the floor. I was like, whoa. And as soon as I was like, wait, I'm up here alone. I dropped the chairs and ran down the stairs. And that's really what got me into paranormal and um, doing all the um, ghost hunting. Um, okay. But yeah. It's so you think it was one of the kids that supposedly in this room that was playing with you? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it could have been, um, but it could have been like one of the kids who was after it was down that way. Also, reported amongst these children is a guardian who keeps an eye on the children's specters who have spoken to investigators. Her name, Evelyn. All of these spirits in the game room and wandering the halls in the upper balcony make every turn an opportunity to experience a paranormal encounter. I've actually witnessed, I think this was a time when I was there with feeling paranormal and you were not, but I actually got to see the three children and one of their friends, I think it was like four children, playing tag with Lily and Agnes. It was... It, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, even the paranormal equipment was going off. It's not like it was just kids pretending to play tag. There was paranormal equipment going off. It was it was something. It was a sight to see, really. Lots of fun. Moving away from the parlor, we return to the stage for Chapter 5, The Miss and Her Mr. Creeper. In the mid-1910s, Miss Rayburn was a celebrated actress in Arcadia. She was considered the darling of the town. And when she stepped on the stage of the Grand Opera House each night, a roar erupted from the audience. They would leap to their feet and clap thunderously, their faces lit with the admiration as they watched her perform dramas that brought them to tears and smiles. A hush would fall over the theater audience as soon as she stepped onto the stage. And after her final bow, lines of suitors would wait outside of her dressing room door, bold enough to hope that one kind word from her lips would make them the luckiest man alive. The sudden fame and attention, however, did go to her head, and she began to act with an air of entitlement. She started throwing tantrums if she didn't get her way, talking down to those around her and believing she was destined for a bigger and better things. She received her own dressing room and demanded to be left alone by all the male admirers. Her friends noticed a change in her attitude and began to distance themselves from the newly self-important starlet. The lights of the small theater in Arcadia glimmered as she stood outside its doors, but she felt like a caged animal. She wanted more than the simple life it offered, 
and decided to set out to find the fame and fortune that had eluded her. The blinding lights of Times Square probably sparkled like diamonds against the starless night sky. The streets of New York's theaters bustled with the energy of countless young hopefuls. She realized that her uniqueness was lost in a sea of identical women having the same dreams. She had been the belle of the ball in Arcadia with men vying for her attention. But now in the big city, she felt invisible as people brushed past her without even a second glance. One by one, the admirers gave up. Except one. Her middle-aged and... Creepy? <laughs> Correct. Her middle-aged and creepy, creepy manager, however, remained loyal and declared his undying love to her. He brought her fresh flowers to her dressing room daily and sent her long, thoughtful letters professing his devotion and promises that he would do anything to protect her. This story may have even more depth to it than initially reveals. The stories of The Miss tell of a minor dusty room tucked away at the far end of the theater. It's said that a female spirit resides here, an echo of past glory days when she performed on the stage and was applauded with wild abandon. She now waits in the afterlife forlornly, her heart hoping for her adoring audience to return one day and she can return to the stage. Unfortunately, there is also a mysterious male spirit said to follow her every move, guarding her like an invisible sentinel. His presence is always felt, though rarely seen. He is a curious chill, a shadow in the air, a faint whisper on the wind. The locals call him Mr. Creeper. He is... He's protecting some another spirit who hangs out in the green room. Um, so he's not really creepy or angry. He's more protective, if that makes any sense. Of the sense. green room or the entity? In the, the entity inside the green room, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we, again, uh, we believe that he is... Uh, the, the woman in the green room... Uh, is Judith Rayburn, um, and and she's known here as, as Miss. He was her manager, and and her talent was huge. This mysterious figure of the stage lurks in the shadows of the hallway, and along the side of the stage leading to the Miss's dressing room. He is never given his name and still his presence has a powerful effect on those around him. He seems to stand guard over the miss with an oppressive air as if he were protecting her, or worse, keeping her away from the living who sought her out, much like the line of suitors who once did during her life in heyday as a star. That's kind of cool. I really, really wish I knew the story last night, because last night when we were, <clears throat> when I was with feeling paranormal and we were investigating in Mr. Creepy's hallway it would have just been so so cool to know this story maybe we could have dug deeper 
found out more stuff. Um, I had no idea about that. Uh, I had seen him once. It was actually, I'm not going to say very cool. It was like, it was my first time ever seeing a shadow figure. So it kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't realize what I saw until after I saw it. But I was standing in front of the auditorium in the hallway, looking down towards Mr. Creepy's room. And I had my video camera and I saw a shadow and I popped my head into the auditorium and I asked them if anybody was on the stage because it's also you by the stage exit door, exit left is where Mr. Creepy hangs out. And they were sitting at the table right next to the door, my door, where I was at, doing a spear box session. And when I peeped in and said, is there anyone on stage? The spirit box said, no. And I realized that I had just seen Mr. Creepy. And he was trying to keep you away from the miss. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Wonder if miss, the miss ties in with the children anywhere. If she knows of them, if she's good to them, if... I don't think so, because the stories that I have heard of the Miss, as far as life, you know, the the legends, is that she was very self-important. You know, she was kind of like one of those snob superstar actresses that you even have today. And that kind of led to her downfall. And now she kind of sulks in her dressing room, waiting for the audience to start applauding and you know, feeling the love of them again. Yeah. Well, I will say last night we did go in her dressing room. I was not aware that that was her dressing room when we were in there. We thought it was Mr. Creepy's room, but it is the very last room at the end of the hallway. Ryan Phelan, one of the lead investigators and owner of Phelan Paranormal, was sitting on the floor and he kept saying that the smell, the smell, it was just getting to him. It was like a sulfur and musty and pugnant odor. It was making him sick. And me nor Tiffany could smell anything. Even when we got down to his level, we couldn't smell anything. So we thought that was kind of cool. But he was he had a very uneasy feeling in that back room. He, we just ended up just leaving. That's why there's, a, there's some theories that he's not protecting her, that he's kind of maybe even keeping her prisoner in there. It was something very heavy in that room. Well, regardless, there are so many stories within the Heard Opera House. In fact, my going through different investigators and talking with them and with the owners of the Opera House, there are more than even what we have touched upon here. And I would recommend that if you have an interest in doing a ghost investigations that you take a trip to Arcadia, Florida and to the Heard Opera House to do your own investigations, either with one of the paranormal groups who offer, you know, tours and so forth with it or on your own. Otherwise, I hope you did enjoy the stories that we have shared here and some of the interviews that we've done and some of the investigation results we've had. It's awesome. But before we go, I do want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the historic Heard Opera House. Maybe you have been there and have had your own encounters with some of the spirits. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and have an email at 
within the Miss Podcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your own encounters. We hope you enjoyed our stories of the historic herd opera house and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, explore those dark, shadowy places and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.